Guys, I love stories about time travel. You know, being a child of the 80s, the Back to the Future movies are some of my all-time favorites. You know, and there's something fun and fascinating about visiting different time periods. So I want us to take a quick trip into the past this morning, all right? So to put us in the right frame of mind, let's look at some older pictures, all right? So this first one is one of my old high school yearbook pictures, all right? And a lot of people don't believe that I ever had hair, but this is some proof that I had some genuine follicle action going on up here at one point in my life, all right? And so uh, here's another. Do y'all recognize this guy? Mean-looking dude, don't think I'd want to mess with him. That is number 10 for Pound High School. That is Pastor Zach right there. All right. All right, so up next is former family ministry leader, or Amanda Ellis O'Quinn, looking uh, kind of disapprovingly. I mean, she was looking disapprovingly at me this morning when I did that in the first service. Uh, but kind of in that one too, right? All right, and then next up we have our youth leader, Jason Osborne who looks like he's ready to hand people some kind of pamphlet or something, right? And, you know, last time he was here, Jason mentioned the aggressive balding situation of myself and Pastor Zach. So uh, I did this next one so he could kind of have a glimpse at his future. <laughs> all right, that was all in fun, but I have a question for you. Do you remember your high school days? For some of you, that was flannel or big hair, or a big cowboy hat because you thought you were Garth Brooks, all right? But for some of you, that may have involved platform shoes and doing this, right? We each have our own thing, okay? But what were those days like for you? What songs were playing on your CD player, or your cassette deck, or your 8-track player, all right? Who was your best friend? So whoever were your best friends at that point in your life, did you believe that they would be your best and your tightest and your closest friends for the rest of your life? Most of us entered adulthood with that line of thinking. All right? And for a few of you, that may have proven true, but for the majority of us, we've found that time has proven that idea to be wrong. Okay? As situations and the circumstances change, it affects that feeling of closeness, right? So, for instance, I was close to this person at one point in my life, but now I still have that same closeness, but it's not with them. It's with this other person over here because we kind of drifted apart. So, at some point, you have most likely had to face a situation where you need, needed to recalibrate or rethink or reset your thoughts on friendship. Sometimes we need to get a fresh perspective on certain aspects of our lives. One day, a friend of one of my sons was at my house. And he went to our bathroom, and he comes out a few minutes later, and he says, there's a problem. I don't know about you, but if someone comes out of my bathroom and tells me there's a problem, I'm thinking my day just got a lot longer, right? So I go to check it out. It's actually not that bad. But what happened was, he went in there, and, and he tried to flush it, and it didn't go down. So he flushed again. And it still didn't go down, but what did happen was, the level in the bowl started to rise. So after a few more attempts at that, there was water in the floor. 
All right, and that's when he decides to come and tell me there's something wrong. Life really does work better if we adjust when we first see that what we're doing is not working. All right, Henry Ford put it like this. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So if there is an aspect of your life that isn't what you need it to be, then it might be time for a reset in that area of your life. So this week we're looking at friendship. And we're going to look at a story from the Old Testament and unpack a few truths that we can apply to our lives. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 17 if you want to get your Bible or your Bible app or whatever and follow along in your Bible. But let let me give you a little bit of a quick background. So Moses has led the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage And they are traveling through the desert on what is going to turn out to be a 40-year journey. And this is before God has even used Moses to give them the Ten Commandments. So this is very early in their journey. And a group of people called the Amalekites attacks Israel. So Moses puts Joshua in charge of the army and he heads up a nearby hill to watch. So we'll pick up at Exodus 17.10. And it tells us, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses and Aaron, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. So as Moses went up this hill, he took two friends with him. Guys named Aaron, his brother, and a fellow named Hur. So that gives us to the first thing that we need to know about friends. And that is, guys, you need them. All right? So just in case. You were getting ready to tune me out for the next 25 minutes because you're thinking, friends, I don't need no stinking friends. Then just know, guys, that is false. So reset. All right. Kind of readjust your thinking on that because you need friends. Sometimes we get discouraged about life. Sometimes we feel hurt by the people around us. And it can be easy to get into that lone wolf mentality or we're thinking, you know, I've got this, all right? I don't need anybody else because people stink and they just let you down and disappoint you and I am better off doing life all on my own. And if that's where you are today, then I'm truly sorry that you've been hurt and disappointed by people, but that line of thinking is an incorrect response to your situation, all right? The Bible put it like this. All right, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. So guys, people will disappoint us sometimes. We will stumble and we'll disappoint ourselves sometimes too. And when we do stumble, it is important that we have someone there with us. All right, the Bible gives us one example after another to show us that we are not meant to do life all on our lonesome. God placed friends around King David. God placed friends around the Apostle Paul, people to help them out, people to encourage them in life. And there are many more examples of it, but at the end of the day, guys, you need friends. Moses had some disappointments in his life. All right, he had grown up as Egyptian royalty. But when he returned to free his people from captivity, his family 
and his friends. They turned their backs on him. They became his enemies. But despite that betrayal, despite the fact that it would have been so easy for Moses to give up on people and relationships, Moses is going up on this hill and he says, Hey, Aaron, hey, her, why don't you come along with me? Why don't you be my companions because I am not meant to do life on my own? So, guys, friends, you need them. Not only do you need friends, but you need to be a friend. Here's what the Bible teaches us in Proverbs 18:24. It says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So be the sort of friend who makes people say, Okay, that guy or that gal, they really know what it means to be a true friend. And just like with anything, you know, there is a correct and an incorrect way to do almost anything. So certain items are great if you're making a chocolate cake. Flour, yes, right? You want to have flour in your chocolate cake. Ground beef, maybe use that somewhere else. Eggs, you want that in your chocolate cake. But a chicken leg, maybe not, right? There, there are certain things that belong. There are certain things that do not belong. Well, there's a correct way and an incorrect way to do friendship as well. Moses showed himself to be friendly. He risked his life going to Pharaoh every day saying, let my people go. Moses goes up to Pharaoh one morning and says, knock, knock. Pharaoh says, who's there? Moses says, let my. Pharaoh says, no, Moses, I'm not doing that with you today. All right? Moses put himself out there on behalf of his friends. And I'm not sure who put it up there, but out in the foyer, as you first come in the main entrance, there are letters on the wall that say, Welcome home. And while I hope nobody comes in here and, you know, unbuttons their shirt and puts their feet on the back of the seat in front of them, I do hope that as, as individuals and as a church, we're doing our best to live up to what that says. By inviting Aaron and her along with him, Moses invited them to be part of something greater than themselves. So you need friends, and you need to be a friend. But the next thing we're going to look at is almost an answer to why you need friends. Good friends build each other up. So let's look at the next couple of verses here. As long as Moses held up his hands... The Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. You should be someone who encourages others and helps them walk with Jesus. But you also have to have friends who help you do the same. So Moses is up on this mountain with his friends, and, you know, maybe they took a checkerboard with them. Maybe they took some stone tablets to play, play Pictionary to pass the time. I don't know what they were planning on doing, but whatever. Something very curious started to happen. When Moses would hold up his staff, Joshua and the Israelite army they were winning the battle. 
And whenever his arms would kind of fall down because he'd get tired, then the Amalekites would start to prosper. I think this may be the invention of cheerleading, all right? But, but it turns out to be a wonderful thing that Moses brought his companions along because they saw his need. So Aaron and her, they pull over a stone for Moses to sit on. And one guy gets on the right, and one guy gets on the left. And they enable Moses to finish his good work. So not only do you need friends in your life, but guys, you need some friends who will help you be who God is making you to be. You need people who will recognize when you are not at your best and when you're weary and when you're struggling. You need friends who recognize when you're not all right and who will come along and say, what can I do to help? When Moses was weakening, his friends literally gave him their strength so he could go on. And you need people like that in your life. Who is in your life regularly today that you can point at and say, that person builds me up. That person encourages me. That person gives of himself or herself to me. Be thankful for those people. Let those people know that you appreciate what they bring to your life. If you don't have anyone like that in your life, if you're drawing a blank, then one of two things is going on in your life. First possibility, you are closed off. Maybe you have been hurt by people in your family or people who thought you were, were your friends were selfish and made it hard for you to trust others. Nobody can hurt us like the people that we care about, right? But for your own sake, would you consider trying to let someone in again? You need that support, and you can't have that if you are so cut off that you won't let anybody in. All right, and so here's the second possibility. Maybe your life is so filled with the wrong friends that you, have, that you don't have room for those who would build you up and who would be by your side. The Bible gives us this warning in 1 Corinthians. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. So good friends will provide value to your life, but bad company, the wrong friends, or the wrong boyfriend or the wrong girlfriend will lead even the best of us astray. And I'm not saying that we need to build some, you know, housing out behind the gym so that we can, you know, kind of build a commune and separate ourselves from the rest of society, okay? That's, that's like cult leader stuff, okay? That, that's, uh, that's the stuff that, you know, Jim Jones and David Koresh did. And if you don't know those stories, Google them. Those stories don't end well, okay? But, but besides that, you know, we, we have to um, engage people who don't know, who don't share our faith, because Jesus wants a relationship with them as well. But you may need to reset your thinking on the people you allow to influence your life. Because here is something you can take home. Some people add no value to your life. And it's not saying that they have no value. A comb has value, just not to me. All right, so people need Jesus, 
and they need Christian influences in their lives. But I have seen people whose lives and morals have been compromised because of the company they kept. If you spend time with negative people, what happens to your outlook on life? You're going to become negative. You're going to act like them, right? If you want to be a positive person, you can't spend all your time around negative people. If you want to walk with God, you can't walk with people who have no interest in walking with God. Think about this. How many people set out with the goal that they want to be a drug addict? And yet, you know, people end up that way. All the things we don't want to be, do you know how people become those? It's because of the company they keep. It's because of, of who they allow to have in their lives. So everybody has value. Every person you will ever encounter is a person who is created in the image of God. Is a person who Jesus Christ died to redeem and forgive. But not every person is good for your life. Bad company corrupts good character, it says. If certain people and certain situations create more temptation than you can bear, if you can't be around someone without lowering your standards of who you want and hope to be in your Christian walk, then you may need to take a step back from those people and those situations. Romans chapter 8 tells us that God is working on making us more like Jesus Christ. So can the friends that you spend most of your time with walk with you towards that goal, or are they trying to help you find roads that branch back to where you have already been? You're not meant to be a lone wolf, and you're not meant to be an uncharted island in the South Pacific, all right? But you need to surround yourself with friends who help you along the path that God is taking you towards. So you need friends, and you need friends who will build you up and encourage you towards being who you are meant to be in God. But you also need to keep this in mind. Friends make mistakes. Not too terribly long after this, God called Moses up to the mountain to give him the Ten Commandments. And while Moses is in God's consultation office on the mountain, the Israelites get anxious and impatient because God's spokesman is absent. And they're like, hey, you know how some people make idols and worship them? Say, hey, why don't we do that too? So they went to Aaron and they told him to make an idol that looked like a calf. And just as a side note, who picks a calf as their object of worship? I mean, you go to a summit of idol worshipers, and over here you have this group, and they say, you know, well, we, we worship a lion. Rawr. You know, and then you have this other group over here, you know, we, we worship that mighty huntress, the eagle. Scree! You know, and then finally, you know, they look at the Israelites. What do you worship? A calf? Moo? You know, who, who picks a calf as their object of worship? But anyways, however it went... They come over to Aaron and ask him to make a calf so they can worship it. But Aaron told them, do you know who I am? I am the faithful servant of God, the one who stood with her and Moses and held up his arms so that, so that Moses could continue on and encourage Joshua in the battle. There's no way that I'm going to make a, a, an idol to worship for you. I'm just kidding. Here's what Aaron really did. 
right, uh, Exodus chapter 32, it tells us, he took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Aaron should have made better decisions, but he made the wrong choice. And if you read on this chapter, you'll find that when Moses finds out about this situation, he is furious. But by the end of the chapter, Moses begged God to forgive Aaron and the rest of them. See, your friends are going to make mistakes. They may disagree with you. They may say mean things to you sometimes. They may be selfish. They may even forget your birthday. That's why we have some of the best words in all the English language. And I want you to commit these to your memory and look for opportunities to use these because they're that important. All right, this is a big deal. So let's take a deep breath and exhale. Now are you ready? All right, here goes. I'm sorry and I forgive you. I know it's simple. It's not profound. But do not underestimate the importance of these five words to your life. We memorize things like the Declaration of Independence and the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, some of you could probably get up here right now and sing every word of Don't Stop Believing." all right? But, one, none of what, but none of that will serve you as well as these five words. I'm a person who needs frequent forgiveness. From others, from God, I mess up quite a bit. When is the last time you did somebody wrong and you didn't make an excuse and you didn't just hope that they forget about it and move on, and, but you just sincerely went to them and said, I'm sorry. Some of you have not uttered those words in years. And you know what? Your friendships and your relationships with your family have suffered for it. But that second pair of words, I forgive you. They're important too. Don't withhold forgiveness. Sometimes we want to hold someone's mistakes over their head. The last time Moses had tried to hold something over his head, his arms got weak. And that was when he needed his friends the most. If you try to hold on to that anger, guys, you're just weakening yourself. Behind every apology is a person saying, I have enough respect for you, and I care enough about my friendship with you to swallow all of my pride and bring you this here apology. What good does your anger do you at that moment? Sometimes we just want to let them have it and tell them how messed up they are. You know where that's going to get you? That's going to take you on a one-way trip to Bitter City. It's not going to get you anywhere well. You don't have anything to gain, and you have friendships to lose if you withhold forgiveness. So know these words and use them when you ought to. But the next thing we need to keep in mind about friends, friends complement each other. That word isn't misspelled, okay? Compliment, as in, make up where we are lacking. The other kind is nice, too. It's just not what we're talking about at this moment. There, there are certain shows that my wife and I watch together. And 
I work from home, and when I take my lunch break at work, from work, I'll come into the living room and sit down. And if we have a shared show that, that we would both watch, she'll just usually go ahead and switch over and put that on the TV. And we'll watch it together. One day, we didn't have any shared shows to watch, and she was watching one that I'm just not really into. And I'm not going to name it because it's a fairly popular one. And if I told you what it was, you'd say, but that's a really good show, Trav. Why don't you like that? And I would say, because that show seems like it's designed to make a person cry, and I think that's mean. All right. And, and I can make people cry, too. I could go upstairs right now, and I could make some little girl cry. And you would be... But nobody's going to tell me, you know, Trav, you really have a talent for making people cry. But if you did, I'd be like, yes, I do. Would you like, for me to, would you like to see me do another? But anyways, I wasn't really into that show because it's a crying show. And then I heard the, the, uh, the ding from our clothes dryer, meaning that our clothes were done drying. So I took the opportunity, because I just wasn't that interested in the show, to go and put up our laundry. We share a lot in com common, but because we had this one area where our interests were different, things got done. Aaron wasn't the leader or the decision maker that Moses was. Her, we don't know a lot about him. But when Moses was at his limit, when Moses was exhausted, Aaron got on one side, her got on the other, and they made things happen. So don't limit yourself to only friends who have the most in common with you. I enjoy art and creativity. Uh, but one of my best friends just doesn't really get into that. He also doesn't like Jimmy Buffett. I didn't know. Who knew that there were people who don't like Jimmy Buffett? But anyway, we were on an Awana trip a few years ago. And we went on a ride around Washington, D.C., and there are all these, you know, neat statues and works of art just, you know, as you go along the road. And it was really cool. And here I am, this creative, artistic guy, and I'm just practically studying these things. I'm taking it all in, all these beautiful statues and works of art. And there he is, completely unaffected by it all, not even paying attention. But that's okay because different tastes, different interests, there is room for that in our friendships. Like, for instance, let's say that you are very gullible, but you also are very good at making baskets. That's great because people need baskets. You know, Easter's coming right up, so people are going to need baskets. If you surround yourself only with other gullible basket weavers and someone comes along and tells you, if you give me all of your baskets and all of your money, I will go down to New Orleans and sell them and make you all millionaires. You and your gullible basket-weaving friends are just going to be broke with no inventory and not even a basket to go around begging for more money for material to make more baskets. Wouldn't it have been nice to have someone in your group who is terrible at making baskets, makes them ugly and lopsided and, and just awful, but who, but who is smarter or less gullible and could have said, you know, guys, this doesn't feel right. 
let's keep our baskets and let's keep our money. You and your global basket weaving friends would have been a lot better off, right? It's good to have people in your life who are capable where you are lacking. Also, though, guys, friends are not limited to one generation. Most of you wouldn't have to look too far in this room to find somebody who is 20 years younger than you or someone who is 20 years older than you. If you're around my age, you can probably pretty easily find both. You, you may not understand why the people who are younger than you look like they look and dress like they dress and behave like they behave, but they have positive things going on. They have a different perspective. They have things to offer. And, and you may not understand why the people who are older than you look like they look and dress like they dress and behave like they behave. But listen, guys, the previous generation has a lot to offer you. You can't just Google the wisdom that those from previous generations have gained because they earned it. They lived it. They experienced the decades that you can only read about. It's okay to have people in your life who are different. It's okay to have people in your life who are older. It's okay to have people in your life who are younger. When Moses expended all of his strength, there were two guys who came along and said, come on, we got this. Do you have people in your life who are like that? If you don't, then you should. If you do, be so thankful to those folks. Be someone who looks for the value in others, even when the others are very different from yourself. Live up to those words out front, and let's be the friendliest, the most inviting, and most welcoming church that we can be. And as we kind of get ready to close out, you know, this has been more of a practical message, not something that you necessarily have to be a Christian to apply to your life. But if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, I want to take a few minutes and talk to you because I'd like to point you to the best friend that you could ever have. John 15 gives us this description of the kind of friend Jesus is. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You want to know something amazing? Jesus Christ is the only friend that you can have that you are guaranteed never to disappoint. Have you ever been disappointed? If so, it is because what you expected to happen was different than what actually happened. If you expect someone to keep your secret and they don't, what are you going to feel? Disappointment. If you hadn't expected better, you wouldn't have been disappointed. Jesus can never be disappointed in you because he already knows your every choice. So if you're thinking, yeah, I'd like to be friends with Jesus, but I make some bad decisions and I'm a mess, guess what? He already knows. And he loves you anyways. You can reject him. You can accept him. But what you can never do is disappoint him. So we would love to show you today how you can make the best friend that you can ever have. So I'm going to be, you know, right down here. But if you're not a Christian, come and talk to us. 
We would love to show you from the Bible how you can become a Christian, how you can meet the best friend that you're ever going to have in your life, the one that you will never, ever disappoint. We'd love to show you how you can accept Christ. But, but to those of you who are Christians, again, you need friends. Be the kind of friend who, who you want to have and be someone who is forgiving and someone who has you know, different kinds of friends in your life that walk you closer to your, to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to be together. I just thank you for the opportunity to learn from your word. And I just ask you to please just help us to apply this to our lives. Help us to have the right kind of friends, the people who add value to our lives, the people who who are bringing us closer to you. And just help us to have a heart of forgiveness and help us to be what you'd have us to be, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.